Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It's going good. I got to see you this week. Yes, I was you, in... You bounced into town real quick. Very, very fast. I came in Tuesday afternoon uh, so that I could be there for the annual meeting site visit. So it was weird because normally, you know, we're doing that in different cities, but this time it's in Nashville. So I was there in Nashville and um, actually a childhood dream came true for me this week. All right. What's that? So I had to come in on Tuesday because our meeting was at eight o'clock Wednesday morning. So sometimes, you know, on a site visit like that, you could just come in and out in a day. But I needed to stay there, so I stayed on site at Opryland Hotel, where where we're going to be for the meeting in June. But when I was a kid, and those of our listeners who are from Nashville or have been to Nashville, have been to Opryland Hotel, you know, you would go over there, especially at Christmas time, walk around, see things. And when I was a kid, I would always look in uh, the the atriums or the one, there was only one there when I was young, but there are three now. And you see the rooms that have a balcony that faces in and they get to sit on the balcony and see all the stuff. And when I was a girl, I would I looked up and thought, one day I want to stay in one of those rooms and sit on one of those balconies. And I got that this week. There you go. Yes. So, and next June, when we have the entire hotel, tons of people can, you know, have that dream come true. Sit on, sit on their balcony, wave at all the other messengers. Um, but I, I was just... Came in on Tuesday. We met and walked all over the the place on Wednesday, and then and then zipped back to Raleigh. But it was good to yeah, see we, you. Yeah, we walked quite a bit on Wednesday. Right, but so. it was and no offense to Birmingham, but I think everyone's going to be able to figure out the layout of of all this a lot lot easier. Well, they'll be able to figure it out somewhat. The tough part at Opryland is finding your room. Right. It's That's going to it's not going once you get out oh, man. once you get out going from meeting place to meeting place it's not hard. That's, it's that's it's like you easy. said. It, it's when you have to get back to where you're staying that you will that that you will struggle. Especially yes. because like I said those atriums there's the conservatory, there's the cascades and there's the delta and they all have their own sort of unique flavor but they really do kind of look alike. So you're just sort of trying to find where your yeah. where your room is, yeah. Well, and to if you're in one of the outlying, like the the fingers, I guess you could say that that stick out of the building, kind of one of right. the wings, like the magnolia. Then you area. really, yeah, yeah, yeah. You really don't know like where you are or how to get like anywhere. It's I've I've struggled finding rooms at that hotel. Yes. So the so the moral of the story is get there early enough that you can check in, and then walk around and make sure you know how to get back to your room and always remember what wing you're in and, and what your room number is. But, um, but yeah, it was fun. It was fun to be there and it was fun to picture it, especially because like I said, living there, I've been to Aubreyland hotel a ton of times, but haven't really walked the entire convention space and just getting to really picture how things are going to be set up. was yeah. great. I thought I'd seen all of Opryland until the other day. Whenever we went to an area I didn't know existed. So that was quite unique for me as yes. well. So I, I've been there a ton, walked around it a ton, and 
even found a new place that I didn't know existed before. Yeah. So it was good. It, you know what was also good is to see some of our friends from other entities. We uh, ran into uh, a couple of our friends from Southwestern. We did. Colby Adams, Ed Upton, they were there. Uh, also saw Adam Covington, a couple others. So it, it was neat to see the teams from different entities there. Uh, I got to hang out with our friends at Southwestern who do sponsor this podcast. Located over in Fort Worth, Texas, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary is committed to providing theological education for individuals engaging in Christian ministry. Southwestern Seminary offers a variety of degree programs at the undergraduate, master's, and doctoral levels. Just this year, our friends at Southwestern launched a new eight-week online class, which means classes are beginning much more often than they have before. So I think one just started this past Monday, uh, one of those eight-week sessions. So if you're interested in taking your next step in ministry and ministry training, visit swbts.edu to learn more about how you can get started on that path, or maybe finish up a path that you've already started. So uh, they got a lot of options there for you, swbts.edu. Thanks again to our good friends over at Southwestern. All right, Amy, we start uh, with some new research this week, great research from Life Research, saying basically few churches are back to their pre-COVID attendance levels. I I don't think this is a surprise, but it was neat to see the actual data. Right. Sometimes things that you know from a qualitative sense that you just sort of know it, uh, getting the quantitative data to back it up, it's just helpful to to really be able to see the landscape. So this uh, was a survey of Protestant pastors in the U.S., and 87% of them say their church met in person in September while 13% did not hold physical gatherings. Uh, But when thinking through how they are doing in comparison, you know, September versus February before this started, 34% was sort of the largest amount that said they are at like 50 to 70% capacity from where they were in February. So very few, only only 11%, are like back at the same 90 to 100% and only 4% have grown. So that's like 85% basically still have a ways to go to get back to their normal worship attendance. Where where does your church rank on this? Where where do you are you you guys are having service, are you have an inside and outside still or what's You the- know, honestly, I don't even know where our numbers are. I haven't looked because so in normal set like back in February, we had three services. Um And now we have four services that are in two different spots so that the worship team and the uh, pastoral team can basically bounce back and forth. It's like a staggered type thing um, in different parts of the building. And then they have it where like one is mask required. So you have people who are high risk things. It's that that's a place where they know they can come and feel comfortable. And then the other ones are mask optional and they're all socially distanced. So you can still wear your mask and be in there, but it's just some folks are like, I need to be in a place where everyone is doing this. All socially distanced. Um, all of them have a, you know, sort of an RSVP type situation so that you know, but I haven't heard where they are, where we are in terms of the numbers, because when I go, I'm going to one. And then another one is getting started in another part of the building while I'm there. So I can't even really get a sense of it. Well, we are in that big category. We we are, we were running about 900 to 1,000 pre-COVID. Now we're running about five to 600. So we are in that 
50 to 70% range where, you know, kind of the bulk of everybody is. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's where we are. I, I was a little surprised at the research here that 13% of churches are still not holding physical gatherings. That seemed high to me. I, I would have expected a few percent, you know, five to seven percent, but 13 was about twice what I expected. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it feels like everybody had kind of gotten back except for some outliers, but 13%, that's basically one in eight. Yeah, you know, that kind of matched up, though, with some conversations I've had with people as I have talked to folks across the country that typically when I would talk to a church, and this is, isn't in the last few weeks, but when I would talk to a church that would say, we're not back yet, they it usually followed with uh, some sort of explanation that a large portion of their membership uh, were senior adults. Yeah. And so it makes me wonder if that's what you're dealing with. Maybe some smaller churches that just don't really have, uh, that they have a lot of high risk folks don't have the ability. Um, but I'm with you. I haven't, I, I, that still seems a little high to me. I would just guess that's what, or it's sort of the opposite where you have a very large church in maybe a city where or a state where restrictions are and so they're so large that they can't do the in-person gatherings yet because you see that every now and then too yeah all right there's some others research and information in here but some long-term consequences uh, we highly recommend you go check out the full research project from lifeway research over in the link at baptist press so uh, it's there and it talks about some of the consequences and, and just all the information about pandemic attendance and uh, even breaks it down, I think, on the regional level. So you can check that out over at Baptist Press. Thanks again for our friends over at Lifeway Research for doing those kind of research projects. It's good to know and have some quantitative data about what's going on in churches across the country. All right, we have some more trustee roundups this week. We start at Midwestern up in Kansas City, Amy. Their fall trustee meeting really focused on you know a great announcement of enrollment continuing, like actually moving up even amidst the difficult circumstances, and then some new faculty elections. Um, but it, their big announcement is that compared to fall 2019, hours taken increased by around 12%. So That's a big increase. Yeah. Because, I mean, they, they had a huge number last year. I mean, 4,300 students and change. So, I mean, to, to see that increase is, is fantastic. Right. And what that means is, they they in they increased in two ways. One is they increased in the number of students, but then they also increased in the students that they have taking more hours, which is great. It's I mean it's great first of all for the school because that's more enrollment um, in terms of hours sold, but it's also great for the students because the more hours they take, the quicker they are able to graduate and get out into full-time ministry, if that's, you know, where they're headed. Yeah. And so it's really good news on every front. And you mentioned the faculty additions. Trustees elected Jeffrey Chang as an assistant professor of historical theology. Chang is uh, running the Spurgeon Library up there. We've talked about that on the podcast before. Andrew King is assistant professor of biblical studies. Patrick Shiner. Patrick Schreiner as the assistant professor of New Testament and Biblical Theology. I think we've mentioned that on the podcast. And then good friend of the pod, Charles Smith. Yes. As assistant professor of Christian leadership. Also reelected Radu Gorgita as professor of Biblical Studies and Matthew Swain as associate professor of worship ministries. So congratulations to all of them. Another update from the trustees at a seminary. We head down to Fort Worth, Amy. 
where Southwestern had their meeting this week. Excellent. And they also reported enrollment gains. Five, yeah. 594 new students enrolled for the fall semester. That's an increase of 29% over fall of 2019. We're seeing this everywhere and even in the midst of the pandemic. So that's that's really good news. Um, also increased revenue that's uh, coming in both in uh, tuition revenue and in donations to the Southwestern Fund. Check out that donation increase, Amy. 215% increase in donations to the Southwestern Fund. That's incredible. 467 more gifts to the seminary than the prior year. Just amazing. And uh, what they've done on the giving side over there. Yeah, so that's really good. And then they also had uh, some faculty elections. Ted Cable, so we we shared this announcement a while back, uh, who'd been serving under presidential appointment. He was elected professor of philosophy of religion. And then another newly elected faculty member who the, the name wasn't given yet, because it's one of those situations where the individual needs to inform their place of ministry. So they will be announced at a later date, but two faculty elections. So adding to, adding to the faculty there and then also approved a master of divinity in worship leadership. So very cool. Is Keith Whitfield the other faculty member? Just he need to. Um, Notify so here's you? the deal. <laughs> so here's the deal. It's you. I just moved houses last year. Uh, and so no. Okay. No, we're, we're, yeah. Yeah. Not, not. Right. Well, that's two off the list. It's not me either, by the way. Yeah. I, 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 I'm going to guess that because not that you wouldn't make a great faculty member, but. Uh, you don't have a terminal degree, so I don't. Yeah, think there's you a couple of letters missing yeah, at the end of my name. Yeah, few few issues yeah. there. So it's not you. Yeah. It's not you. Didn't ask if it was me. I did. I said it wasn't you. Okay. Yeah. So that's three okay. that we know it's not. So three that we know it's not. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that 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 marks off a few. So right. We'll, we'll and keep it, and if it was if it was somebody in my house, that would be pretty awkward since there was a different announcement last week from another seminary yeah, about, yeah, that'd be very awkward. So no, but we'll find out. And that's totally understandable that it's not, not quite time to make that announcement yet, but it'll be coming and just shows that the, that the trustees were involved in electing that person and really standing behind. Well, some more news from Southwestern. Uh, we have an update on the Riley Foundation Southwestern Baylor lawsuit story. Uh, there's an update at Baptist Press, a temporary injunction hearing is going to be held on December 2nd. Sometimes there are some delays or some changes in that, but it's scheduled for December 2nd regarding a motion for expedited discovery. Also, two Southwestern trustees have been suspended from their duties as Southwestern trustees in connection with their involvement with the Charitable Foundation. So uh, that was also in the trustee story. If you read both of those stories at Baptist Press, we just kind of pushed it to this story uh, as we cover it. But Charlie Hott and Thomas Pulley, members of the Southwestern Board of Trustees, have been suspended from the seminary board by its offers because of, quote, trustee misconduct. So during a regularly scheduled trustee meeting on Monday, Southwestern's board affirmed that decision, called it, quote, consistent with the seminary's governing documents and parliamentary authority and not inconsistent with the Southern Baptist Convention's governing documents, end quote. Uh, the trustees also affirmed and expressed full support for the seminary's action in filing the lawsuit. So story about that over at Baptist Press. Uh, you can read more about that, get the latest on this uh, foundation suit uh, that we've been talking about here on the podcast for a few weeks. Also, some news from Southwestern. Jack McGorman, uh, the McGorman Chapel, 
that namesake right there, has donated his personal library to Southwestern Seminary. We have a story on that at Baptist Press. Amy, get this. McGorman is going to celebrate his 100th birthday in December. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Get that man a cookie cake. Whatever he wants. He deserves it. Yeah. Whatever he wants. If you're 100, you can get whatever you want for your birthday. Absolutely. That's good. So, yeah. So, congratulations to him. And I guess thank you for donating the library over at Southwestern. they got a lot of library space over there. So, uh, that'll be good for them. Some news from Missouri, Amy. we got a change at the top at Southwest Baptist University. Eric Turner, the president of Southwest Baptist University, submitted his resignation during their trustee meeting uh, on October 20th or earlier this week, and it will be effective November 20th at the conclusion of their commencement ceremonies, um, which I would guess are probably is happening nor- or earlier than normal. Yeah, I was going to say, that's early right there. Well, I know a lot of people like... Like at Southeastern, it's set that all in-class instruction ends going into Thanksgiving because of people going home. And you know home. why that is? People are going home, right. bringing COVID and back with them. Back. And that's what they yeah, so, wanna, yeah, so the, they're worried about that. So some folks, I guess, are modifying their, their semesters that way, but Southwest Baptist said it where they're just done by November 20th. So that will be his last day. He's been there since August 2018. There have been some discussions between the Missouri Baptist Convention and the university sort of back and forth a few issues that had popped up in the last year. And as part of that, his statement says that as the university and Missouri Baptist Convention re-articulate their longstanding relationship, I think it is vital for the two entities to have a fresh start with a new leader at the helm. So uh, basically just presented in a, a, you know, very professional way to just say, looks like there's some working together in a way that it may be, may be time for a fresh start. So we'll keep an eye out for anything new from Bolivar. And uh, th- that's a great part of the country, Amy. You know why? Why? Because it's near Branson. Because near Branson. That's right. Yes. Down there. just Bolivar's just like an hour and 20 minutes from Branson. Not that I've Googled that this week. But yeah. anyway. All right. Up to Kansas, Nebraska, Amy. We've got a new state exec, David Manor was named the state exec in Kansas, Nebraska, just last week at their annual meeting. Well, it wasn't really their annual meeting. It was their mission board meeting that they had. The annual meeting has been canceled, so they had a state mission board meeting, and they elected David Manor as the successor to Bob Mills, who announced that he was going to retire. He'll retire at the end of February. Manor will take over um, in March of 2021. So congratulations, David Manor. Had a chance to talk to him last week and congratulate him on that. So uh, looking forward to everything uh, that he will bring to the executive director position there in Kansas, Nebraska. He's been there for about 20 years already on staff as uh, the associate executive director of the last eight years. First 12 years, he was the director of worship and administration, joined back in 2000. So I've been there 20 years, no stranger to Kansas and Nebraska Southern Baptists. So congratulations to David. There you go. Congratulations. Amy, up to Chicago, James McDonald and Harvest Bible Chapel have reached an agreement in their lawsuit. They reached a settlement through an arbitration group, Christian arbitration group, and determined that James McDonald has the right to continue walking the word, which is his ministry uh, with a radio show and a podcast, but it would be run by James McDonald Ministries, and he will get $1.2 million and a piece of property adjacent to the campus of the church, um, as well as they will pay him $250,000 as reimbursement that had been promised to him 
related to selling his his former home. So they have come to this agreement together and then and uh, are doing this in a way to, I guess, to move on as the church. I think both parties are, are glad to have this behind them and, and be moving on. So uh, the, all the details of that agreement are at Baptist Press. Down to Kentucky, Amy, some sad news out of a Presbyterian church, but also probably relevant to a lot of our Southern Baptist churches. Yeah, this was a tough announcement, and uh, I know a lot of people that were really impacted by this. So Chris Rice, who is a uh, Christian musician and songwriter, won Dove Awards, been around for a long time. A lot of folks would know the song, which I think you've commented on this, is called Untitled Hymn, but if that's the title, it's not really, you know, it's, Untitled. It has a title. Yeah, but yeah. it's uh, Come to Jesus is the one that, you know, is really thought of. So Also the title of that song. Right, right. So there have been allegations of sexual abuse um, that have been made about Chris Rice. It was alleged by a former student from Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church, so someone that's an adult now but had been a student uh, in youth ministry, that Chris Rice had sexually assaulted him on multiple occasions during, like, I think maybe camps, retreats, something like that was how uh, how he was serving the church. Yeah, it struck up a friendship right. with him and, right. and used that. So they are allegations at this point, but the church is treating them as credible because of the source of the allegations and the corroborating evidence that they have discovered. Something I think is, first of all, as you said, it's, it, it is something that is relevant to a lot of Southern Baptists just because of Chris Rice's influence that goes sort of beyond across, you know, evangelicalism. But also, as we've had a number of discussions about this, um, Tate's Creek has made sort of some statements at their website, explained everything that's going on. And I've found that to be one of the best examples I have seen of a church handling something like this. And so I think that's, I think that's actually a helpful thing for people and for churches to just look at that and say, okay, here's sort of a template for how to walk through when something like this happens, particularly, um, you know, something as high profile as this. And actually Tate's Creek has had to deal with another situation before. And if you go to this one, you can, you can see the former ones. They also handled that one very well. So that, that's that could be very instructive, you know, to people and is worthwhile. So as difficult as this is, I'm always uh, grateful to see churches that handle situations in the right way. Yes, absolutely. So uh, more information at the link in the show notes today. Over to the North American Mission Board. They announced this week that they are going to be focusing on Hispanic church planning even more over the next 10 years, starting in 2021. They're working with Julio Ariola, who works with us here at the Executive Committee, and NAM uh, to mobilize and plant more churches of Hispanic nature uh, across the U.S. and North America through the SIN network. So they've made a Spanish version of its multiplication pipeline available to planters. They're creating and producing more planting resources in the area of assessment, training, and coaching for Spanish-speaking church planting missionaries. So a lot of emphases coming from NAM over in the church planting world for Hispanic-specific 
churches. So uh, keep an eye on that, something that uh, I know Julio's really excited about, something we're excited about at Baptist Press as well because of Baptist Press in Espanol. So our Spanish version of the uh, website has a lot of different stories about what's going on in the SBC from a Hispanic point of view, as well as regular stories just translated over into Spanish. So uh, if you're interested in that, you can find out more at BPEE over at BaptistPress.com. All right, finally, Amy, a couple of housekeeping notes. LifeWay's Women's Leadership Forum is going to be a little different this year. They capped out at 500 in-person attendees. I think we talked about that. Yes. But they're going to do virtual registration for anyone in the world. So you can register online, watch that. I know this is like the premier women's leadership event every year. Yes, it is. I love to go, um, but will not be attending this year. We'll get to go from my couch. So it's it's a good opportunity because a lot of folks may not have gotten to go, but now you have an opportunity to attend in this way because of the virtual, yeah, the virtual options, yeah, yeah. So if if you need to stay home and and be safe because of COVID nineteen or whatever it may be, or it's sold out, so if or you, it's sold yeah. out, so if you can't even yeah. get in, you can still have that option. So I know right. usually, I mean, they've they've had eighteen hundred, two thousand, three thousand, twenty five hundred people the last couple of years, so. I mean, it's been a big, big thing, but this year, because of COVID-19, little different than normal. Also, uh, kind of a casualty of COVID-19, Bloom, the missions event for WMU and ACT Teens, has been canceled. It was originally planned for this year in July, got postponed to 2021 because of COVID-19 and the global pandemic, and now it has officially just been canceled altogether. So pretty sad about that. My friends Jonathan and Emily Martin were going to be leading worship for that, but uh, not anymore, which uh, that, that kind of stinks. So uh, I hate that for ACT Teens and WMU, but uh, they have canceled the Bloom event for next year. That's going to do it for our news this week, Amy. Bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right, so I want to go back to 1982 for a very interesting story about uh, the new pastor of Lockport Baptist Church in Kentucky. Um, so when you go to the BP issue of October 21st, 1982, the last story is former air traffic controller now directs from church pulpit, but it's got a, a great oh, line. I was stuck on the mafia story to begin that page, by the way. Oh, yeah, there is also something about um, a Baptist hospital site um, in Colombia that uh, there's kind of a feud among local mafia, things like that. So dig in, dig into that. Yeah, that's Colombia with an O. Right. The, the Medellin cartels, those, that Colombia, not, not like South Carolina. Right, right. Uh, but I'm going to the end because I think this is interesting. All right, so Bill Summers, 41 years old, um, he had lost his job as an air traffic controller in August of 1981. Does that ring a bell to you at all of of uh, why he would have lost his job? Uh, no, because I was literally like six months old, eight months old, 10 months old, whatever it was. Okay. Is this the TWA hijacking or something? No. So there was a, sort of a kind of union negotiation or negotiation with air traffic controllers in August 1981 Almost 13,000 air traffic controllers went on strike because their negotiation with the federal government over pay, raising pay and shortening their work week, the, it kind of hit a standstill. So they, so, and this is, I mean, they work for the FAA. So they work for the federal government. Um, they hit a standstill. And so they went on strike. 7,000 flights get canceled. 
And um, on August 3rd, Ronald Reagan says it's illegal, the strike, and that he would fire any air traffic controller that didn't return to work within 48 hours. Okay, but they had the Professional Air Traffic Controllers Association. They had, you know, the union was involved. And on August 5th, two days later, uh, President Reagan fired 11,359 air traffic controllers. So this was like a major first huge issue in the Reagan administration, which over an eight-year period with so many other things that happen, sometimes that gets uh, sort of lost. Is that why he got shot? No, it's not. Okay. That's a... I just wondered. You don't know why he got shot? No, I don't. Boy, that's a story for another day. I don't think we even need to go down that road today, folks. Okay. All right. But... uh, I'll I'll Google that on my own. Yeah, it was... Someone with mental illness was sort of related to that. But anyway, um, in terms of the the shooter. Anyway, back to this. So Bill Summers, he he is one of those people that loses their jobs. And so, you know, what's going to happen? Well, he had worked there for 13 years, but he had a decision that he had put off for years that he had really been feeling a call to ministry. And he said, the Lord let me know I had run out of excuses. I told the Lord, I'm going to do whatever you want. And he decided that what the Lord wanted him to do was preach. So he um, went and enrolled at uh, Southern Seminary and decided he was going to have ministry training. And then in mid-September, he was ordained to the gospel ministry at his home church in Mount Washington, Kentucky. He accepted the pastorate of Lockport Baptist Church. This is what got my attention in this story, that the ordination charge um, was delivered by David Byrd, which at that time, that's pre-Boyce College, so it was called Boyce Bible School um, a, that was part of Southern Seminary, so that's what he's doing it to. The title was Fired by the President, Hired by the King. That was the kind of the tagline for Bill Summers, that Ronald Reagan had fired him, but then he went into uh, full-time ministry working for the Lord. So I just, that got my attention. I thought, well, this is kind of cool. I enjoy, um, I enjoy seeing how world events or national events will sometimes affect individuals um, in ministry settings, and this was one of them. So, so sometimes difficulties can actually push people in the right direction. And it sounds like they did for Bill Summers this week in SBC history. Well, that's really cool, Amy. Uh, I, I was looking up Bill Summers, trying to find him online. I wonder if he's still alive. That'd be yeah, kind maybe, of some, maybe Sonny so, knows him. He'd so. be in his 80s right now. Yeah. Or right at 80. Yeah. So he was 41 and 82. So that means he'd be like almost 80. So I'm going to so. include in the show notes, the not just that issue of Baptist Press, but also a history.com article about the air traffic controller strike. So then you've so got So they that actually too. have history at history.com? Because they don't have history on the History Channel. I know. But they do on the website. Okay. You, you, you know an, about that. Uh, yes. Which senator? Is it a senator? Um, is it Chuck Grassley? Is that I who it is? I think it's Grassley, yes. And he that's like all he tweets about, right? Yeah, he tweets about the fact that there's not history on the History Channel. He's right. He's mad about that. Right. Which... I kind of I appreciate his tenacity because there's like years and years worth of tweets about not being 
history. Well, it's kind of it's kind of like what is it a a and e, which used to be all very like arts and entertainment. That's right. what it stands for. And then it it moved into the li- the live PD thing. Duck Dynasty. Well, yes, that. But then also live. I think it's live PD. It's a big the police where it's like oh, actually okay. happening live. That the, That's crazy, by the way. That the cameras are in the car with the police officers, and then Dan Abrams and these other people are doing commentary like it's a sports you know, thing. Like, it would go back <laughs> to the That's disturbing. Desk. Yeah, that was kind of a big thing pre-COVID. But and it, So, just these cable channels start, and then all of a sudden, they're not. But if you go to history.com, you can get some nice overviews of events. Actual history. Yeah, yeah. so I'll throw that in there as okay. well. All right. All right, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. My resource of the week is a new book by Dr. Floyd, actually. It's something we put out at the executive committee. It's a free book, not just a new book, but a free book, folks, on biblical stewardship. It's called 10% A Call to Biblical Stewardship, and it has six sermons and six small group resources that go with the sermons. So you've got six weeks of content for the entire church on stewardship. So do check that out. There's a bunch of free stuff over at the website uh, that is included uh, that you can download. The resource kit includes a PDF copy of the book. So you can get your hands like, well, I say hands on. You can print it out. Then you have your hands on it. But your PDF copy of the book like right away. So if you go over to sbc.net slash stewardship, you can get a free PDF copy of the book, promotional graphics, bulletin inserts, PowerPoint slides, social media graphics, and a whole lot more. Uh, for you to use this in your church. So say you want to kick off 2021 with an emphasis or a new sermon series on stewardship, we've got it taken care of for you. You can go over there, download everything. You've got the entire sermon. You've got resources for small groups. You've got everything you need to do this in your church. So uh, you can check that out, sbc.net slash stewardship. It's called 10% A Call to Biblical Stewardship. Amy, your resource of the week is? There's a new book out by Trevin Wax. There is. Rethink Yourself, The Power of Looking Up Before Looking In. And so it's uh, the idea, it says, most people, define they are, most people define their identity and purpose by first looking into their own desires, then looking around to express their uniqueness, and finally maybe looking up to add a spiritual dimension to life. Rethink Yourself proposes a counterintuitive approach that you look up before you look in. So very cool, kind of going against the slogans that you hear a lot about, you know, follow your heart, you do you, things like that. Um Here's what gets me about this book is, and I don't have a copy. I w- I, sh- I need one, but is hint the, hint Trevin is, hint hint is the cover is Devin, that a, Trevin somebody is that a mirror on the cover Mary Wiley? Well, it's it's like it's printed in a way that it looks like it's a mirror, right? So it's it's a t- it's a cover treatment. So it's kind of cool. I'm digging it. Yeah, it's very interesting. I've never seen anything like it. And that is kind of what gets my attention is that cover. Can, so is it like, could I see my reflection in it or kind of blurry? That's kind of the point. Oh, yeah, because it's like I can't see it clearly. I need to look. Yep. So the a, a, a good cover will get your attention enough anyway, and that's what they've done. So, all right. So that's my resource. So everyone should get it, including me. Uh, because I want to read it. All right. Well, that's cool. I'll check it out too. I'm sure we'll we'll wind up with a copy of it somehow. Um, probably pick one up online, and uh, you know, because Trevin, everything Trevin puts out is is solid. So 
I've read all of his books. Um, so except for Clear Winter Nights. So I'm not a fiction guy. Sorry, Trevin. How can so, you not be a? Fi- how can anybody not be a fiction person? I just don't like fiction. I'm sorry. I mean, <sighs> I, I did enjoy the Hunger Games, but that's well, becoming I, I, more and more real every day. I mean, <laughs> no comment. Uh, exactly. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks again to our sponsors over at Southwestern. It was good to see those guys uh, out at Opryland this week. It was good to see everybody. Uh, we saw a few others out there at Opryland, so a lot of people coming in for the big site visit this week and uh, a lot going on, man. We're getting ready for June. It's going to be awesome, Amy. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's going to be great. So we hope you will join us in June, and we'll hope you join us next week. See you next week. See you next week. See you next week.